Well, good morning. Hi. Hi. All right, grab your Bibles if you have them. Hopefully you have them. We're going to 1 Kings chapter 16. 1 Kings chapter 16. I'm not going very much, very long today. <laughs> Maybe. No, I won't. I won't. Um, hey, my name is Brian. It's great to be here. I love Hume. And if this is your first time, I'm convinced uh, God just does special things here. And 24 years ago, um, I made my all-in decision for Jesus right there in the third row, right where you two ladies are, that little angle piece right there that was sitting right there. And I said, Jesus, I'm all in, whatever you want. And now you sit there and go, wait, 24 years ago, we thought you were 24. Um, don't laugh about it. Shut up. Don't laugh about that. Um, <laughs> Kind of hurts a little bit. Uh, but no, I, this is such an important place for me and my family. Um, but, and, and like they were saying before, maybe you're here and you're just all in for Jesus already. And you just can't get enough of him. Like you just love him like crazy. And then there's others of you that maybe you, you hate him or you don't believe in him. Um, or you got tricked. <laughs> like your friend said, hey, you want to come with me this week? It's going to cost a little bit of money, but it's just a, it's like a thousand high schoolers. We're just going to party all week. And you're like, absolutely. And then you get here, we're talking about Jesus. You're like, you suck. Okay, so maybe that's you. Or maybe this is where you're at. It's kind of like, I've done the church thing all of my life. I've heard the passages. I've heard about Elijah, the fact that you're doing it isn't anything new. And here's where it is. Jesus is just kind of, just kind of boring. Guys, I've been there. And that's part of the journey. And then wherever we are in this process, and maybe you're a student, or maybe you're a counselor, or you're the youth pastor, or you're actually on staff for the camp, I even prayed, God, I pray that we would all be changed through this week, that we would walk out of here with this newness in relationship with you. But especially for those of you who say, I don't know that I'd like him, I don't, God, Brian, if you knew my story, if you knew what it is that we were facing as a family, you would totally understand why I'm ticked off with God. I'm not, not downplaying that, but is it possible that God is using the crisis for a purpose? Because if I would ask for a show of hands, how many people have come to Christ because of a crisis, I'm guessing that a lot of hands would go shooting up. And we could sit there and say, okay, but whose life is worse? You ever notice you do that? Like when you start school and say you have a different class than your friend and it's like, hey, I've got, I've got two pages of math tonight. Your friend's like, two pages? I've got 14 pages. Like, oh, did I say two? I meant two chapters. Oh, I, meant, I have to do the whole book. I have to get college level calculus done by the time I'm in kindergarten. I mean, it's like, so we try to outdo each other. In fact, you'll notice this. Like moms, I've noticed this. Moms, they'll give... Well, I'll have a baby, right? So birth. I'm not going to go through the whole process because that's a different talk for not me. But say, so that happens. And then it's kind of like some moms want to make sure, like, I've watched this. I've watched this. They'll have like a little baby shower. I'll hear the stories. And so here this mom's almost the time baby's supposed to come. And some moms come flying in like vultures. And it's like, oh, let me just tell you about my labor. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me just explain to you what this is going to be like. And why you're going to hate every second of it. I was in labor for 14 weeks. <laughs> I died twice. I came back. I hovered over my body and said, I can't believe this has happened to me. Came back, pushed it out. Boom. Welcome to motherhood. I'm like, oh, man. So, guys, we're not going to try to outdo each other who has the worst life. We're going to go to the one who can actually improve your life. We're just going to talk about Jesus. And there'll be things that I say and I get that some people will say, I totally agree with that. And some say, I don't agree with you at all. Or I can't stand the fact you said that. Or some of you might even get ticked because I say that Jesus is the only way to God. 
That Jesus, a relationship with Christ is the only way to a reconciled relationship with the God of the universe. And for some that's offensive because you could say, you could look at me and say, how is it you could say, be so close-minded and say that Jesus is the only way, but may I bring it back to you and say, can't you at least thank God that instead of there being many ways, at least he made one way. How could there only be one way? I'm just thankful he made a way. Because in his justice, he could have just left us to ourselves. We have it in our minds, think about it. We expect God to do certain things while offended when he expects anything of us. Isn't that weird? We expect God, do everything because I'm here. And God's like, whoa, I love you and I'll care for you. But anytime he expects anything of us, we get offended by that. So guys, in the journey, there's no judgment here. I've, I always pray, God, give me, help me be boldly gracious and graciously bold as I preach truth. But the ultimate desire of my heart is that you see Jesus, that you hear Jesus, that you meet Jesus. So can we pray? It's a big undertaking for us to move forward. God, I pray that you would do only as you can do. Not a time for us to just sit and look at, look at some words in a book or for me to try to explain more about you, which really is, an, it's a task that I cannot handle on my own. I cannot fulfill it by myself to try to explain you in a way that we all get it, God, I can't do that. And so God, I pray that you'd meet us where we are, but don't leave us there. Meet us where we are and take us where you want us to be. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees says, amen. Yeah, there's, I heard you guys clapping last night. That was good. Okay, every time you pray, I hear that. Okay, First Kings, First Kings chapter 16, verse 29. In the 38th year of Asa, king of King of Judah, Ahab the son of Omri began to reign over Israel, and Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. Now catch this, and Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. Guys, now that's not one thing that you want to be better than at everybody else. Think about it, it's like, ah, hey, here's some things that God has set up, and you're the best at ticking them off. Think about it, okay, why does God set up commandments? And I use this analogy often because it's the one that makes sense in my mind. It's the same reason that I as a dad, when my, when my boys were first born, I've got two boys, Tyler who's now 12, Dylan's nine, but when they were little and I was just trying to figure out this whole baby thing, like I thought, when, when they sent us home from the hospital with my first, I sat there and went, wait, we get to take them home? And then I'm terrified, like I don't know what to do. And you look at all the nurses going, come live with us, live with us. I'll feed you and I'll care for you. You can have my whole paycheck because I don't know what the crud to do with this thing. So you get in the car and I'm driving the speed limit. I never drive the speed limit. I mean, I drive the speed limit on to the next level. But I mean, like, I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm super protective. Someone uses the blinker to get over. And I'm like, <laughs> get away, baby on board, baby on board. And we're driving and just sitting there going, okay, I don't know what to do with this little one. But then you get home and they just kind of lay around. And I, what else do you do? What else? Like dance or something. <laughs> and then in the middle of the night, they like want to have a dance party and scream like, Rah! and I always felt bad for my wife. No, I'm just joking. I did a 3 a.m. feeding, so I did my part. But I, I remember they'd cry and I'd sit there going, oh my gosh, I've had like two hours of sleep, feed them. But it was like the best time is this just sitting on my lap. And I'm just talking to them and then all of a sudden put them back to bed. But then as they got mobile, I have never... I've never been well rested since the day they started to move. They just go, and they're always, they're always drawn to those rectangular things on the wall that you plug things into. 
They love sockets. It's like, that's it. That's life. And I don't know what it is with the little ones. I don't know. As they, as they start to crawl, they look at the little holes. They look at their finger. Look at the holes. Look at the finger. Go, my finger will fit in that. <laughs> and so they'll start to go. And as they start to reach their hand up, they hear this voice, no. And they're like, huh? And then you see their sin nature. They look at you and it's like, I respectfully disagree. <laughs> and then they just kind of start going back. Their old diaper butt hanging out. They're all just moving forward. I say, no. <laughs> so what? And then they put their finger out. And then the boom comes. It's like, what? bam And they're like, what was that? What was that? I don't like my, I don't like that. Then they get a little angry. Guys, I'm not doing it because I don't want them to have fun. I actually want them to live. <laughs> like, think about it. Can you, now, you sit there. You would question my parenting tactics of always like, you know what? They got to learn. Go ahead. Here's a knife. Stick it in there. It fits better. <laughs> but when you get there, don't let go. <laughs> yeah, hang on. Hang on. You got to learn. <laughs> There's no way that you would sit there and go, father of the year. So you would look upon me and go, well, of course you're going to tell him not to put his finger in the light socket. Why? Because I have certain things. I actually want my boy to live. I want my boys to experience what? Joy. Guys, when we can understand that God sets up rules and commandments for our joy rather than to be the ultimate killjoy, guys, then we start to enter into a relationship with God as what's with, with the fact that that's what he wants from us. When we start understanding, when he says, do this, but stay away from this, but man, engage in this, but run from this, it might be because he has a father's heart who's trying to protect his kids. Guys, we are not creative enough to create fun. We are not creative enough to create joy or laughter. I mean, God created those things. Think about it. God gave us taste buds. Amen. Right? If I say in and out, right? Doesn't that sound fantastic for breakfast? And you know it's going to be in heaven. Why? Because they have those verses on the bottom of their cups. <laughs> Somebody like, what? You never knew. Look on the bottom of the cups. There's the Bible verses. So you know that right when you get to heaven, you're going to see Peter at the pearly gates, Jesus on the other side. Hey, welcome home. Here's a double double. Welcome to eternity. <laughs> And if you're vegetarian, <laughs> I'm thankful because there's more for us. So thank you. <laughs> but guys, you didn't have to create taste buds. He could just manage to stick a hole in our, or a little, little hose in our stomach and just get all the stuff we need and let it go. But I'm talking about when you just, when you chow down on an In-N-Out burger, I know, just sit there. I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it torturous. But when you're done, don't you just sit there and go, there's got to be more. <laughs> and there is. It's the cheese paper. <laughs> don't judge me. Because now somebody's sitting there going, I have never thought of that, but that is glorious. <laughs> he didn't have to give us taste buds. He didn't have to give us laughter. 
Isn't it fun to just laugh? I mean, it's just, I mean, not like the, the courtesy laugh of someone saying something and they just won't stop and you're kind of going, ha, 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 God, please kill me now, ha, 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 But I mean, have you ever just laughed with your friends, especially when you weren't supposed to, like in class? Oh, that is the best. I remember my senior, I don't know what she was thinking. My English teacher put me and my three best friends all right next to each other in the front. And I thought, this is an audience. And so I remember, I don't, I don't remember what was, what was said, but I'm, I'm laughing. And then she goes, Brian, do you have something to share with the class? I'm like, well, if I did, I would have said it. But no. So then I'm trying not to laugh. So I've got my head down, but my friend is staring at me. Now, this is before text message. We didn't have cell phones back then. You're like, oh, what? I don't know what I would do. Okay, but that's before that. So he's staring at me, and I can feel it. I know he's trying to get me to look at him, but I know if I look at him, I'm going to make some noise. I'm gonna make, it's the noise that comes before the laughter when you're trying to keep it in. You know what I'm talking about? So, so he's looking. He's looking. He's like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And all of a sudden, my head starts getting sucked to the side. I'm like, no. And all of a sudden, I looked. We got eye contact, and so it was like, it was like <laughs> and it just came out. And then we lost it. Now the whole class doesn't know what's happening. It's like, okay, did he vomit? And like, what happened in the class? All of a sudden, seriously, the teacher from a friend, and guys, I'm not the sharpest tack in the box. I'm not brilliant. And so the fact that I get to preach here is God's sense of humor. Okay, so when all of a sudden she goes, Brian, do I need to ostracize you? I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> Brian, do I need to ostracize you? Now, I'm telling you, and forgive me, but ostracize <laughs> sounded a lot like circumcise. <laughs> and I kept sitting there going, I think my parents would be mad. <laughs> so I said, no, no, I, I think I'm okay. I think, I, I'm fine. I think that's... How already happened. I think we're good. I think. She goes, no, I, Brian, do you even know what ostracize means? I'm like, I have no clue. I don't know what you're talking about. It means to separate. Do you need to sit in the back of the room? I'm like, oh, okay, I'll do that. So I just went to the back and I just sat there. And it's just like, think about it. In that class, it's not like we're going to die if we don't laugh. But isn't it just fun to do it? To where your stomach just hurts afterwards. And ladies, you're like, okay, especially, okay, I say this every time I preach. Ladies, if you're ever laughing so hard, and there's some guys around, and you ever say something like, okay, if you don't stop, if you don't stop, I'm going to pee my pants. <laughs> this is where the guys are like, don't you dare, don't you dare. <laughs> okay, please, ladies, when you say that, that is like blood to a shark for the gentleman. <laughs> the guys are like, game on. <laughs> gentlemen, if I'm right, would you say amen? amen. That's what I'm talking about. So isn't it amazing, think about it, isn't it amazing that we're so thankful to God that he gave us humor and laughter and taste buds, but all of a sudden when he tells us things that we can't do, we get offended. See, here's where, here's where that, the idea comes from. When you look back at verse 30, and Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord. Friends, it's not based upon our idea, our idea of evil or the definition of evil or what's wrong and what's right is not based upon personal preferences, but based upon God. 
Because God is the one who created everything. If he created everything, he owns everything. Does he not then have the right to do whatever he wants with whatever it is that he's created? And to set up rules that we would do things the way that he wants them done. You sit there and go, no, 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 that's not fair. I, I disagree and I guarantee you that you don't believe it either. Why? Because if all of a sudden, for those of you that drive, if you lent your car out to someone, you would expect them to what? Take care of it, don't crash it. But what if all of a sudden they come back and go, well, that's your opinion, it's not mine. It may be yours. I know maybe some of you paid for it and you're working for it and you're, and you're paying it off, but that's not, that's your idea. That's mine. I can do whatever I want. And you sit there and go, that doesn't make any sense. So, so far, think about it. You've just disproved the thing that you've held on to forever saying, I can define what's true for me. You define what's true for you. All the while forgetting that none of it belongs to us, that God is the one who created everything. So does he not then have the right to, to, to decide and to define this is right and this is wrong? Ahab did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And friends, our job in, in this relationship with Jesus is to spend time in God's word so we understand what it is that God says, I love this and I love when my people do this, but stay away from this, all the while connecting God's heart to his commandments that his desire is for what? Our joy. Do you realize that all of a sudden it shifts from just this God I'm trying to appease and it shifts us into relationship with the Father who adores us. He did evil in the sight of the Lord more than, any other, more than any other king before that. Verse 31. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel. Jezzy, you met her last night. I'm not going to lie. I had to sleep with the lights on because Jezzy terrifies me. Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, which is a pretty name for your next child, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he said, there, go, okay, so it's a different God. Guys, when all of a sudden we just start going, well, so you believe this about God and you believe that about God. And if they differ, it's fine. Can't we just, like the bumper sticker says, just coexist? And get creative and use all the quote-unquote major religious symbols of the world and make that coexist bumper sticker and you say, but that's true, that's right. Can it really be true if I'm saying that Jesus is God Almighty and this person is saying, no, he's just a prophet? Can they both be true at the same time? No. You said, go, but what's the problem with Baal? I'm sure it's okay they offered crops or they... They might do some animal sacrifices. You just, you just offer things here and there, but do you realize that at times people would actually offer and sacrifice human beings to this false god? So when you just sit there and go, but it doesn't, it doesn't affect anyone. But if all of a sudden you're sacrificing your firstborn child to this false god, do you think the child has any say in the matter? Do you think that that child or that human would disagree with you? Guys, this is not just one of those things where God's just, he's insecure. I don't like the fact that other people like things better than me. It's not like he's insecure. God has no insecurities. But when you start seeing people who are impacted in a horribly negative way because of the worship of something that's not even real, can you see how God's defensive nature jumps in? He says, I hate that. You realize there's a people group that actually... This is how they would worship their god, Molech. It was a false god. There's nothing to it. 
Molech would be this idol with its hands out. And they would heat up this idol so hot that it would begin to glow. And then you take your baby and you place it in the hands of the idol and you watch it burn to death. As quote unquote worship to what? Nothing. So can you at least see, even if you hate God, can you at least appreciate the fact that God, that God has a heart for us, that God has a heart for people. And when you say it doesn't matter what people do or think or say, if they want to worship that way, great. Guys, but the victims of that, they would say differently. So there's this Baal worship that starts because Jezebel brings it. They get married. She brings it in. He went and served Baal and worshiped him, verse 32. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria, guys. And I was sitting in the back. Okay, God, how do I sum up this whole thing in one sentence? If I was going to do, okay, the whole message in a tweet. Okay, how would I get it? Okay, so if you're going to go, okay, I got to write one thing down. Just write this down. If it's worth it. Okay, if it's not just something, I'm not going to write that down. That's stupid. Okay, but it's what? Anything created by the creator is not worthy to replace the creator. Did you catch it? Anything created by the creator is not worthy to replace the creator. He said, I go, Brian, we don't, we don't worship idols. Really? No, I mean, I don't have an idol set up in my house. There's no idol. There's no idol. It's not like I have all my furniture pointed to this box thing that that I spend half my time looking at, wishing I could be like the people that are represented in it. I don't do that. And for his friends, understand, I'm not anti-TV. I'm just anti-TV or anything that would replace Jesus in your life. I'm like, ah, okay, I don't, oh, I don't struggle with that. And again, I'm not, this is if the shoe fits, wear it. And there's nothing wrong. If you and your friends want to sit together and get a group of you and you got a cool little stick and you got your phone, you can take a selfie, take it. But if you have to look to see how many people like that picture, you might be the idol. Think about it. It's a cheap trick. If you get 100 likes, you're human. You're valuable. If not, ah, nice try. Better luck next time. How do I know? Because I had to give that up. I found myself, and this was just recently that I, get, I got rid of the Instagram account, because I found myself going back to see how many likes and who liked it, and I felt like God said, seriously, are you going to cheapen what it is that I want to give to you? I want to be the fulfillment of your life. I want my praises to come to you where I'm so excited about who you are and what you're doing that that's what you long for. And Brian, you're settling so guys, I'm not against those things, but you see how we can elevate ourselves to where we're the most important things? You ever notice that you can stand in line for that new phone, I just gotta have it, while texting your friends on the phone that works? I gotta have a new phone, why? This one's dirty. Are you kidding me? And the other one's bigger and faster. And I love technology, but anything that I have to have, anything that I have to have, that I elevate as being more important than Jesus is an idol. So it's not just this, you name the God and you have a little idol in your house and you bow down to it. It's not just that. It's what am I giving my life up for? That for some of you, it could be this. It could be a relationship. And it could be a friendship, but what if it moves past that? Remember when you were just friends, but you kind of liked each other? 
So then you called each other brother and sister because you weren't dating yet, but you wish you could, but they said no. And so you're like, oh, well, we're like brother and sister. Brian, shut up. No, that's how it works. It's like, I really, I, I wish we could be dating, but you said no. So it's like we're brother and sister, so I'm your favorite. Okay, so I've been there. But all of a sudden it starts to, you go into the dating relationship. Now some of you have taken that, and all of a sudden you find yourself what? Codependent. Brian, you don't understand. I don't think you understand. They complete me. <laughs> they complete. Oh, Brian, are you married? I am. Does your wife complete you? No. You suck. She didn't complete me, and she's in the room. She never has completed me. Why? Because Jesus is the completion of my life. He's the one. I'm a whole person. And we bought into this lie, friends. That in order for me or you to be whole, we have to find that perfect person that's going to be there. You know who the perfect person is? Jesus is the only perfect one. Then all of a sudden it's like, well, what about Mr. Right and Mrs. Right? You know they're Mr. and Mrs. Right when what? You say, I do. Commit your life for the rest of your life. Brian, you don't understand. This love is different. I mean, we're in it. We're in the love. We're in it. <laughs> you're precious. You are. You're precious. Because 22 years into this, working with youth, working with young adults, I remember when I was first doing youth ministry, I had this massive, uh, massive wall, little corkboard, all the pictures went up there. So kids would come in, they say, hey, here's my, here's my senior picture, here's my class picture, here's my prom picture, they give it to me. All of a sudden, you get some little couple, and they're like, Brian, look at this picture. Don't, they, we look perfect. Like, we should get married now. We're 14. It's like, biblical times, it works. But Brian, we want you to have this. I'm like, I'm telling you, okay, I'm, I'll put it on the wall. But there was this weird thing. Whenever I got a picture of a couple that went on the wall, they always broke up. Always. And it wasn't like years down the road. I mean, pretty, pretty, pretty recent after that happened. And so I'd warn them, guys, I'm telling you, once it goes on the wall, you're going to break up. Not us. Not us. I put it up on the board and stick a staple through their heart. I'm just joking. <laughs> That'll kill the love. Okay, no, no. <laughs> no, above the head, not on the head, above the head, down below. Hey, you're up there. I was like, that looks so good. We look better than all the rest of the couples. I said, I know, but they broke up too. So just give me a call when you break up. And no, every time they broke up, one couple made it. They dated, started dating junior high. I did their wedding. I couldn't believe it. They're like, ha ha. I'm like, okay, you win. In 22 years, you're the only one. Great job. You made it. But guys, that relationship can become something that's more important than Jesus. Everything that you... Think about it. How many... No, 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 don't show hands on this one. I don't know if we're there yet. How many regret something that you did or thought or said because of someone that you're trying to get the attention of? And so you'll change who you are and change who God has created you to be in order that some other creature will find you what attractive or want to be with you. And God the whole while is going, don't you understand? I created you to be you. And you strive for the applause of heaven. You strive for the ovation of Jesus. But we settle. It could be reputation. For some of you guys are so great at academics and everything is about that. And yet you forget all the while that Jesus is, this, Jesus is the one who quoted saying, hey, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, 
You get to include them in the process. Some of you are great at athletics and some of you are great at, at theater or drama or art. And all of a sudden, those things become elevated. And God said, they're going, no, no, I created those to be enjoyed by you, to give him glory. And counselors and youth pastors, and I speak from experience. You know what it can also be? Ministry. All of a sudden, ministry becomes the thing that you wake up for. Guys, I love giving my kids little things here and there. A lot of times I'll come back, not every time, but a lot of times I'll come back from some speaking thing and I'll just give them something. Not to be replaced by that thing, but to give them joy, to connect them to my heart. And for some of you, you've settled. It's kind of like this. Who's ever gone to like a one-year-old birthday party? Which is really for the parents, right? Kids just sitting there going, why, why am I in this new outfit? Like, oh. and, then, and then all of a sudden they have to get in their diaper because it's cake time and everyone's got cameras. I'm like, I just, oh, oh, oh. And then they put their hand in and they taste it. Oh, sweet goodness. <laughs> their, their eyes get like, oh, oh. Bam, and they just stick their head right into it. You've been there, you've seen that? Now here's the thing, if you take a one-year-old and you give them a can of soup or a $1,000 bill, which one are they going to go for? can of soup every time. Why? Because it makes noise. You can pound it. You can roll it. You can throw it at people. They react like, wow, yeah. Like, <laughs> they'll look at the $1,000 bill and go, nothing. Drop it. Friends, I will push a, I'll push a one-year-old out of the way for a $1,000 bill because I know the value between the two. Can of soup, buck and a half, thousand bucks. I'll kick the kid out of the way and take it home. Wouldn't you take the $1,000 bill? because you know the value of it. And yet some of you, you've settled for a can of soup. And God the whole while is like, you don't understand what it is that I have planned for you. And you've settled for something that you've created or that somebody else has created rather than to settle on the creator. Oh, this is, oh, I didn't have this in my notes, which I don't have any, but here's the thing. When you think of Genesis chapter three, remember the beginning, I know a lot of people go, oh, that's just, uh, that's myth. I'm going to believe it, and here's why. Because Jesus quotes it, and a guy that can predict his own resurrection from the dead, he's got my vote every time. So when, he, when you go back to Genesis chapter 3, and Adam and Eve are tempted in the garden, do you realize what they were actually tempted with? And I used to think it was just this, that he said, hey, you could be like God. I used to think it was just that. No, let's go back to it. Okay, You can look there if you want, or just listen. It's in Genesis chapter 3. Starting in the middle of verse 1, he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now the thing is, God never said touch it and die, he said just don't eat of it. So she put a little bit more of a commandment on her to protect herself, and I give her, I give her props for that. But watch this. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. She said, they go, well, he, they were tempted to be like God. That might be part of it, but I think it's also this. What else were they tempted by? He says this, you're not going to die. God knows that when you eat of it, it's like this. God's holding out on you. God's holding out on you. He says this is what's going to happen. That's not what's going to happen. You're going to be filled with all this knowledge. God is holding out on you. Friends, we're in an instant gratification society. 
now, now, fast, right now, right now, 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 now. And God often says, wait. And we don't like that. And so we're willing to give up the best for a cheap imitation that doesn't last. They weren't just tempted with the fact that, oh, I get to be like God. They were tempted with the fact that they thought that God is holding out on me. Do you feel like God's holding out on you? And be honest. If you sit there and go, I do. Okay, at least be honest in it. And be honest in your cabinet discussion time. Guys, don't throw out Christianese language. Don't just sit there and throw out all the Asian words. Oh, justification, sanctification, glorification, flagellation. I mean, it's like all the Asian words we just throw out. It's like, if I use all the Asian words, then they'll know I'm really a follower of Jesus. But if you don't know what they mean, then what's the point? When you pray, be honest in your prayer. Some of you guys are so polite when you pray, but you're liars. It's like, oh, well, I have to show proper respect. Really? Do you remember David praying? How long, oh Lord, will you forget me forever? That doesn't sound like a polite prayer. That sounds like an honest one, and I think that God prefers honesty. So guys, in this week, don't just settle for all. I know all the answers, and I've been there before. No, no, be honest in the process. Be honest in the process. But if you feel like God's holding out on you, then be honest in that. And say, I feel like God's holding out on me. And then watch what God does the rest of the week. Okay, so now we jump back into 1 Kings. Uh, let's go to verse 33. And Ahab made an Asherah. Ahab did more. Now catch it. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Provoke. Provoke him to anger. Ticked him off. You ever had one of those oh no moments when you, like with your parents? Guys, growing up, my dad, six foot three, six foot four at the time maybe, 280 pound cop. Huge. Vietnam vet. I mean, he got jacked up in the war. I mean, there's scars all over his body. This is my dad. I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, just don't say anything wrong. Don't say, don't say anything. Now, there's no, there's no one more loving than my dad. I don't respect any more, anyone more than my dad. But I couldn't sass talk my mom ever. Why? It's not because mom can't handle her own, because she did just fine. That's, that's where dad's big, mama's little. But have you ever seen the first Jurassic Park? Remember that one? Remember Jurassic Park? Anybody? A few old people. You're like, I got that. Okay, if you haven't, there's this cute little one. Kind of walks around going, mm, mm. That's mom. But all the way through. Remember when, she, when the little one gets ticked off? It's like, mm? That's mom. <laughs> so we were just afraid of mom as we were dead. So it wasn't like she needed him. But you don't sass talk mom. You respect mom. You don't sass talk dad. You can, you can say things, but you can't sass talk. So I remember there's this one night, I told my buddy, hey, be at my house at, I was something like nine. And all of a sudden, he shows up at eight. And I'm like, those don't even sound the same. <laughs> like, you're an idiot. <laughs> and I'd had, I had my license, so at about eight, think about it, about 8.45, he leaves. I show up 15 minutes late, later, so it looks like I'm now an hour late. So my friend's sitting with my dad. My dad's not understanding. He doesn't know the whole conversation. Why? Because he's heard this part with, this, with my, my friend, not anymore, but my friend at the time. Yeah, he told me to be here at 8, liar. He told me to be here at 8, but okay. Well, just tell him to call me. So I get home. Dad's like, hey, have a seat. And I'm like, oh, crud, what did I do this time? Did he find out about, oh, no, no, don't, don't, say, don't say that. So I sit down. He goes, why do you think that I'm having you sit down? I'm like, um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know, because there's four things I can bring up, and I don't want to get in trouble. So he goes through the whole thing. Hey, your friend showed up at 8. He, says, he said you were supposed to be here at 8, and be here, you got here at 9. And then he goes through volume 1 of the talk. Responsibility. 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 Like, Dad, no, 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 don't interrupt me. Chapter 2. 
Let me repeat chapter one. And guys, I was getting so frustrated and all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. I just, I still blame the devil, but I don't know what happened. I just sitting there, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I couldn't take it. I was like, why don't you get off my back? I was, I was trying to suck the words back in before they got to his, oh, cred, he heard, oh. Kind of, he kind of, he's sitting in this little rocking chair. He's looking at me. He's like, didn't say a word. I thought, this is it. This is it. Jesus, the rapture. Now, 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 now. Come on. I've never wanted to see you more than right now, but not through death. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Meet me in the air. I'll fly to you. I mean, it's like I was ready to go. I'm serious. All of a sudden, my dad, my dad stands up, and it was like slow motion. It's like, oh, God. I'm just, my eyes are huge. And he points his finger at me. Now, I saw a gun. I did. I was like. <laughs> he goes, young man? Oh. You know, gentlemen, any of you been young man before? Young man? I'm like, oh. Young man? I haven't begun to get on your back yet. And he went to bed. I crapped my pants right there. <laughs> I was done. I was terrified. I, I, I was expecting, get into the match. Here comes, just take it. Come on, get it over. I haven't begun to get here. And he goes to bed? He went to bed. He went to sleep. I got in bed. I'm sitting there going, this is it. I pictured him like, Kicking open my door, boom, standing over my with his gun. Now I'm on your back, boy. I was, I was, I'm not done. That's what I pictured. The next day, you know what happened? Nothing. We talked it out. We were good. But in that moment, man, I provoked him to anger. And I thought, I don't like the side of that. And here it says that Ahab provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. He ticked God off more than anyone. I know that some of you picture God like the first happy hippie. There's Jesus, long hair, sweet beard. There he is, happy hippie. <laughs> but friends, there is nothing amazing about God's grace unless there is something terrifying about his holiness. And we all stand before him one day. And we give an account for what it is that we've done. But because of Jesus, we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. And I look at this and I go, God, I'm so sorry for how often I have provoked you to anger. Say, Brian, does does he still get angry with you? Sure he does. I can grieve his heart, and I can do or say things that's like, oh, I can't believe you just did that. But the fact is, I'm never not his son. That's what changes everything. See, Ahab gave up God for a replica. He gave up God for something that he built. Think about it. He's the one who built the place where Baal would stay And God's sitting there going, you don't need to build me anything. Why? Because the universe is mine. 
As he measures it with the span of his hand, the Bible says that God takes the waters of the earth and puts them in the hollow of his hand. Do you realize that researchers or scientists actually say that if we could take all the water on the planet earth and just pour it on the United States, all of the water of the earth on top of the United States, the water would be 17 miles deep. And God said they're going, it fits perfect. That our Milky Way galaxy is 120,000 light years wide. So you go 186,000 miles per second for 120,000 years, and you'll get from one end to the other. And that Milky Way galaxy has 350 billion stars, and that Milky Way galaxy is one of about 350 billion galaxies in the known universe, all of them being about the same size. And the Bible says that God measures it with the span of his hand. So can I ask you a question? When is the last time you told God what to do? As if we have any right. So when I read here that he provoked that God to anger more than any other king, I said, think, do you understand the magnitude of what it is that you've done? But when you, when you combine his size and his majesty and his glory with his grace and his mercy and his love for us. Oh, it's unbelievable. Brian, it's too good to be true. That's the gospel. When it's too good to be true, you know it's the gospel. So then there's Elijah that shows up on the scene. Skip it over to chapter 17, verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe, it's cute, and Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my words. Dang, that's kind of sick. Isn't that crazy? He said, why would he bring that up? And Rich kind of brought it up last night. Guys, if Baal, they thought this, Baal is the one who manages and handles and organizes the seasons and the rain. So if all of a sudden Elijah comes up and says, hey, let me get into your territory. Let me play in your playground. So here's what's going to happen. There will be no rain. I know that you hold on to Baal, that he'll bring rain, and you'll do all your cute little things so that he bring rain because he's in charge of the weather forecast. He's the one who makes it rain. It's even thought that Baal is the one who fashioned or put together lightning. It was his weapon. That's what the people believed. And so when you have Elijah going, hey, I'll come into the playground of Baal and say hey, this, I will say this. It will not rain for three and a half years. It will not rain until I tell you, until I say the word and rain falls. And so if Baal is all that powerful, let him show it. So it's even in that statement, he's showing this mockery of this fake God. And then maybe for some of you, as I'm convicted and confronted so often by God himself as well, maybe God has to look at some of you and go, seriously? Seriously, you're going to give up your life for that? And whatever that is, I, I can't get into every, every idea of what that is for a thousand of us here. But whatever that thing is, you're going to give your whole life up for that? Or for him? Or for her? Could it be that God has set up certain commandments and certain things for us to do and not do? For what purpose? For our joy. Guys, when we look at this, I don't want to be known 
Brian ticked off God more than anyone ever. Guys, I want to see that God has set up certain things to do, not do, say, not say, think, not think, dwell on, stay away from in my thought life. I want to do those things because I truly believe that there's this heavenly father who is all powerful, who measures the universe with the span of his hand. I get that. But this all loving father who cares for us so much that he would actually set up limits that we might experience the life that he actually wants us to have. Now, we'll get into this probably tonight. But some of you sitting there go, Brian, I've done that all my life. And all this junk happened in my life still. And so what are you saying? Like, did I not do it enough? Was I not good enough? Or I did it and I'm still struggling and our family's facing something I've never thought we'd ever have to face. And so you may, just, you may look at me and say, Brian, you are full of it. Guys, this is message one. I think this is the main point for tonight's message. So I'm going to give it to you before we can get there. What if the crisis or the trial that you're facing is an opportunity for God to leave you speechless? What if the trial or the crisis that you are facing is an opportunity for God to leave you speechless? What if? What if? What do I want to start with today? Guys, we messed it up. We broke it. The life we see around us, the brokenness that we see, the brokenness we experience, it wasn't because God messed it up, it's because we broke it. We sinned, and there's sin in the world because we're sinners. Guys, it takes, it takes 90 seconds to watch a news program to realize that things are jacked up. Maybe God has the solution. Maybe it is this. Maybe he knows that he's the solution. And some of you have settled for a can of soup rather than to settle for the best that he wants to give. Can I pray for you? Jesus, we give you thanks. We thank you that you tell us the truth. You confront us where we are. You cause us to look at you and make a decision. And really, God... As you draw us to know you, you draw us to know Jesus. You then say, God, take it or leave it. It's yours if you want it. But God, I know, and you know, in this room with this many people, there are so many reasons of why not. And Jesus, I just pray. I pray that today and this week, you would do whatever's necessary to where those excuses or reasons become less and less and less. That whatever we've set up as more important than you, and this is for all of us, whatever we've set up as more important than you, or that thing was it, which is in direct competition with your priority in our lives, Father, I pray that those things would fade and you, you would become brighter and clearer. God, I thank you for these students. I thank you for counselors, the youth pastors. Thank you for a place like Hume where we get to celebrate you. We get to worship you in here, study your word, and then worship you out there by playing and hanging out and being together. God, I pray, and I thank you. I don't need to pray. I thank you that you're going to do something this week that will change us. You're in the business of transforming and changing lives. So, God, we thank you in advance. And all that happens today and this week, to you be all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. For you alone are worthy. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. Love you all more than you know.